Welcome to the Dark Side of the Full Moon podcast. I'm Jennifer Silliman, and this show is continuing the conversations started in the award-winning first-ever documentary film about maternal mental health. My journey as an advocate began through the power of storytelling. With this podcast, I hope to create a community of women and professionals sharing their own powerful narratives to let others know they're not alone and help is out there. Keep in mind that some of the stories you will hear may be triggering, but it's important they be told. This podcast is not a replacement for professional help from a licensed medical provider. If you or someone you know is suffering due to a maternal mental health condition, please contact your medical provider or call or text message the Postpartum Support International Helpline at 1-800-944-4773. Now let's continue the conversation. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Dark Side of the Full Moon podcast. I am here today with Lena Acosta Sandow, correct? Okay, good. Um, she is a psychotherapist, development expert, writer, and founder of Stop Parenting Alone, a parenting education and consulting program in Miami. She's also a writer on social emotional learning for Macmillan Education, the human development expert for Telemundo's national broadcast and consultant for Moms Rising, which is an advocacy group for family rights in our nation's capital. Her mission is for all parents to fall in love with their parenting journey. And we all know that motherhood has its ups and downs and is a complete roller coaster ride. And that's what this podcast aims to um, share it all the good, bad, the ugly, and everything in between, right? Um, so I'm so excited for you to share your story today. Um, you know, and I always tell my guests that this platform is for you to use however you want to share your story and what you want to talk about. I would love to learn kind of um, if there was like a huge transition between maybe what you were doing previously and then what called you to do this type of work. Um, So go ahead, Lena, the platform is yours. Well, first of all, thank you so much for for having me on and to be able to speak to, to the community. I know that Um, as it pertains to maternal mental health uh, and perinatal disorders, you know, there's information out there, but a lot of it is not personal. And a lot of it is really clinical. And a lot of it is not relatable. Right. So I love what you're doing, because you're making this relatable, you're making this human. So first and foremost, what what I like to say is like, you know, what guides me is that I like to tell the truth in the service of love. And, um, you know, speaking about perinatal disorders um, is one thing that people don't like to tell the truth about. And so we end up with a lack of compassion and a lack of love and a lack of, of being able to connect with one another to something that is so common. I know it's so, that's the frustrating part, right? (laughs) Like it's happening to so many women and families. Yes, it's like talk about it. We don't tell the truth, right? So if I'm gonna get here, so so to me, what's most important is for me to share my truth so that my greatest wish is exactly like my little mission, right? Like for parents to fall in love with their parenting journey. And when you go through a you know a perinatal uh, and postpartum issue the journey doesn't seem joyful and it's hard to fall in love with it because you're so chock full of fear. 
So prior to being a fancy pants psychotherapy lady and becoming, you know, an expert in all things social emotional development, I was in Los Angeles trying to do what everybody else is doing in Los Angeles, which is to break into Hollywood. Um, And, you know, that was a big part of my 20s. But, you know, girl meets boy, falls in love, and uh, then they make the mistake of making a baby. Um, (laughs) I may be a parenting expert, but you know what? That's the hardest thing and the worst choice that a lot of people make. (laughs) Life would be so much easier without our littles. Um, And, um, you know, I think that was uh, the beginning of this second half of my life. Um, I was in my 30s when when I had my daughter. And, um, you know, I, I had all the you know what I know today as a mental health professional but I don't I didn't know then because I wasn't a mental health professional then right um I was just an actor in Los Angeles doing bookkeeping on the side to pay the bills right um I had a lot of like the early you know thing you know like things that that happened to someone that are a higher chances of ending up what I for me it was depression but as we know you know perinatal and post postpartum is depression, anxiety, you know, all of the above, right? And for me, I had, um, you know, adverse childhood experiences. Uh, I had dealt with depression in my adolescence. Um, I, I am sober. So I am currently 23 years sober, but at the time it was a little bit less. Um, (laughs) I'm a lot older now. Um, But um, so I had, you know, issues with addiction. Um, And all of these things are also the makeup of like, you know, my brain, like I, I don't, I don't necessarily have a neurotypical brain, My, my brain is a little bit divergent, you know, it leans on um, you know, the fancy term is being dysthymic, meaning that I, my brain leans on a low mood. And um, yes, the circumstances in my life, you know, heighten that aspect of my brain. But at the end of the day, I kind of came onto the earth uh, with that, with that, you know, that difference in my brain. Right. And, you know, uh, um, so I have my daughter and um she was planned and wanted, um, and, um, and she ended up in the NICU. So another, you know, risk Risk factor, (laughs) you know, another risk factor. And, you know, I want to name all these risk factors because nobody said anything to me about Nobody spoke to me about, hey, tell us about your brain health. I like to call it brain health. Everybody calls it mental health, but, you know, language is powerful, right? It is very powerful. And I love that. Yes. So nobody spoke to me about my brain health uh, when I was pregnant, you know, and um, and they didn't we, we didn't have these conversations. Right. Um, and um, so. I, my baby was in the NICU for 32 days, uh, you know, she was three pounds, 12 ounces when she was born and she was born in the 32nd week. So um, I think that that was kind of like, that was traumatic. You know, what's the definition of trauma, you know, to live through uh, something that we experience as life and death. 
It doesn't have to actually be a life and death experience. It's we, the person experiences it as, you know, an ending, like a, 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 a massive ending, right? right? So for me, you know, I had planned meticulously, you know, I was the, I was the pregnant lady that was going to the acupuncturist and thinking about, you know, my birth plan and all the things, all the things, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then, so I have, I have failed. I have failed. I couldn't carry this baby to my 40th week. So that was the first message, right? And then, you know, long story, super duper short. She comes home. I'm terrified. I don't have nurses and machines to tell me that she's healthy. And, you know, the thoughts start happening in my mind. You know, I can't parent her. I'm not going to be a good parent. I'm just, I'm going to be just like my parents. And that's when I dip into the depression. But I did what a lot of women do, which is I didn't say anything. And I didn't say anything because I bought into the urban myth that I was going to be like, you know, every single, you know, artist rendition of the Madonna and child where I was going to put baby to teat and everything was going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't. And, um, you know, where I ended up, I ended up, I was at the time I was living in Los Angeles. So I ended up, you know, kind of obsessing and thinking about this plan of ending my life um, on the 110 highway, because there's a really high bridge. And I was kind of figuring out the correct time to drive off that high bridge on the 110 going north uh, towards Pasadena. Uh, and, uh, and I thought about it and thought about it and thought about it and thought about it. And, uh, and I knew that I was do I would, in my mind, I was doing it because I didn't want my daughter to go through the same depression that I had gone through as a child, as an adolescent. And here I was broken. Um, and that's what my, you know, postpartum depression looked like you know, this, because I didn't want them to think, I didn't want my husband and my daughter to think that I had taken my life. I wanted it to be an accident. Oh, I see. So they wouldn't hurt. Wow. Thoroughly planned out. Thoroughly planned out, which is again, ginormous risk factor. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But see, if you ask me, Lena, what, what, what do you want to share about today? I want to share about what, so those are all the things that went wrong. Right. But here are the things, let's talk about the things that went right and why I'm here and going to be 50 in November. Right. Cause that was like in my thirties. Well, I had a community. I had a tribe. I had my, my, my sober tribe, you know, and um, one of the women that used to see me every Saturday she was like, Lena, what's going on with you? You're not okay. So that's something that went right. And that, and whomever is listening to this, um, it's important to ask and speak truth, right? A lot of us see a mama and we don't say anything. We know, we know them. We notice something's off, right? Even partners don't tell, you know, the parent, hey, something's off. Right. But this, this person that I knew me, right. And was like, Hey, what's going on with you? You're not okay. Let me know. Please talk to me. The first time they asked, 
I didn't say anything. Oh, I'm not sleeping. You know, the baby, uh, I, oh, she's all, you know, I'm having a hard time breastfeeding, which was a lie. Cause I was like, mm-hmm. like the cow I had. Right. That's know. the, it's, it's like the, it's like the standard script that every mom has. Right. Right. <laughs> Like we know, like if we're gonna if, if we're gonna fake it, like we know exactly what to we know say. exactly what to say, right? The baby isn't sleeping, blah 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 blah, right? Mm-hmm. But again, what went right? She persisted, right? Mm-hmm. Um. So then there was no shame. She she said to me, "Hey, look, I've heard." She wasn't even a clinician, you know. I've heard about you know postpartum disorders. Have you thought about this? And at the time I was like, you know, maybe. So, um, as I said, I was bookkeeping and I was an actor, so there was no health insurance. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, and my husband, uh, was an administrator at a, at a school in Los Angeles and he had some, but not for therapy because that's another issue in this whole deal. Right. Like we, we want assistance to them, but then we can't afford it and or get it, right? So what went right? I went to a center where they were training students. So that was a, like, so again, so what do I want people listening to this to think about when they think about maternal mental health? Ask, ask, even if you're afraid to ask, even if you think that they're going to get angry with you, just ask and be persistent and loving, persistent because she was loving so loving, no judgment, matter of fact. And two, we need more places where people can go for, you know, prorated or no cost assistance. So I walk into the center and I'm sitting across from a master level student. um, And then I say, I told her my plan. And, you know, I this is part of my personality because I don't want to make anybody feel less than, you know, part of my personality is yes, I have this neurodivergent brain that leans on, you know, depression uh, and dysthymia, fancy word for low mood. Um, But I, I'm also, I've also kind of been a survival, uh, like, like someone that, 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 that's constantly looking to survive. So I think why I was able to go to the prorated center was because that that part of me kind of kicked in. And again, it was because my friend uh, from my little group um, uh, of sober people was able to kind of sit with me and then bring in others and saying, we love you and let us know what, you know, we need you to seek assistance. Right. So that's the other piece. Right. We got to surround parents with a tribe. And that's that's another issue. Oh, yeah. Isolation. 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 And that this, you know, that, um, you know, that supposedly one person can take care of a child when it when No, that's not true. Right. So. So I end up in the center and 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 this beautiful master level student taught me about postpartum disorders, taught me about dysthymia, low, low mood, taught me, right? And, you know, 
it took me a good, I mean, I think my daughter was close to 18 months before I kind of felt like myself again. Um, and again, that's the other urban myth, right? That it's just in the first six months. And, right. uh, and it's like, no, it could be like up to three years. right? <laughs> right. Or longer if you're not getting treated. If I you're mean, not getting treated, then it. Right. Be- and you might not be a new mom, but it manifests in other ways and other parts of your life. Right. Correct. Correct. So, so, you know, how do I end up? So, you know, what happens to me, you know, I, I go through all this, I have my tribe, I have the person that's helping me and teaching me because I think that's the, the other thing that this master level student, since she didn't have all the years of practice, she was more like psychoeducational, like she was teaching me, right? And I think that that's the other piece, right? A lot of my colleagues, like other people in the mental health community, like, don't give parents information because they're just sitting there processing. So tell me. And it's like, no, we could do that. And right. So like if, if there's any clinicians out there working with parents, like it's important to tell somebody the truth, the information, the statistics, the, you know, you're not crazy. Like, you know, people always ask me, well, why are you a therapist? Because I want to run around the earth going, you're not crazy. Like everything that you're doing makes perfect sense. It's a strategy of survival. Like, but let's change your strategy of survival to for it to be a little bit healthier. You know, that's it. I've never answered the question, why did you become a psychotherapist? Because I want to help. I don't want to help anybody. <laughs> I am way too, I told you I used to be an actor. I am way too selfish. <laughs> I just want to spread the gospel that you're not crazy. Yeah. A lot of the decisions that we make, like my, even, even though I had this plan, my decision came from love. Yeah. Right. It wasn't, it, it, the, the motivation was love. I am going to hurt my family. So I am going to take myself out. Right. Right. So it was just, it was the only, it was the only strategy I could come up come up with at the time because I didn't know that there was a solution and then there was something called perinatal mood disorders and then this beautiful master level student was like have you ever heard of master perinatal mood disorders well let me tell you all about it and it was almost like she had a powerpoint (laughs) exactly but that but you're so right that education piece is so important and that's something that the providers in my realm do and it's by the way, no one can see this because it's going to be a podcast, but your coffee mug, I was using the same one yesterday. <laughs> and so I'm like really excited. It's a Wonder Woman, strongest woman alive coffee mug. <laughs> yeah. And power red. I love it. Um, so yeah. So like the like psychiatrist that I go to, um, you know, I was diagnosed with bipolar in 2017 and she was very good at explaining to me what was going on in my brain. In layman's terms, it was information, but it, she didn't, she did not, um, present it to me in a clinical way. You know, it was in a very, you know, amateur way, like, you know, you got these things in your brain and they're not firing right. And, you know, we got to take baby steps to heal it. And she would use the, she used these, um, analogy of, you know, when you, 
you know, you break your arm and you put it in a cast, it doesn't hurt anymore, but it's still damaged. So even if you're feeling a little bit better, we don't go right back into everything, right? We have to do physical therapy and we have to train the arm again to do what it did before. And so it's like the same as the brain. And I think that's why we're also so, you know, especially with COVID and everything, I could feel myself being triggered by certain things. Um, uh, you know, and I'm sure I'm not the only one who has felt that way, but when you go through something like a perinatal mood disorder or, um, you know, that at one point in your life you had planned, um, you know, a suicide or something like that, you, it's that stuff while it heals is still very surface level, I think for a lot of people and, and, and very trigger prone. And so I felt myself kind of going, you know, that direction, but the, but the, the good side of all of it is that when you go through this and people teach you about it, you learn the tools to get yourself out of it. And you don't feel any shame going to see somebody to talk about it, you know? And so having that kind of toolbox that you create during the healing process is always something you can go back to. And I find myself revisiting it all the time. And there's no shame in that. I mean, that it's just part of, of every, I mean, it's just At brain all. health, you know, like exactly. it, it's the same as anything else, you know, eating right, you know, like yeah. all those things. Yeah. So yeah, 100%. And, you know, for me, it was, you know, thank, thank goodness that she was there that thank goodness that she was a student and, and, and she did, she did this beautifully. Um, and, you know, so how do I end up being this parenting experts, social, emotional learning lady, um, you know, always prior to, I, 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 when I was a little girl, um, I used to play a game with my friends that like, they would tell me their stories and then I would like tell them, you know, who they were and, uh, you know, who they were going to become. Right. Wow. And I think when I was little, I thought I was like being like, like, like a witch, like a magic, oh. Lady, like, Oh, tell me, tell me what, what you want in your problem. And, oh, but th because this is who you are. And, and like, it, I was, almost, it was like a mixture of like a, a Cosmo survey, you know, cause, you know, you know <laughs> answer these questions and I'll tell right. you what kind of lover you are. Right. Right. And, uh, and like, like being a witch. Right. And right. I, and like, I realized that I've always been this, like, you know, person that wants to kind of, like guide others, like map them, right? Uh, today, I say that I'm a tour guide for hell. You know, it's like, I know how to walk through hell. Let's walk through this dark stuff. Like, I love the name of your podcast, right? The Dark Side of the Moon, of course. Right. Like, because a lot of us don't want to walk through the shadow, right? So I, um, but I think I've been doing it since I was a little girl. And, and I have, I have a very distinct memory of playing with two of my friends um, and giving them this little form that they had to fill out. Oh my goodness. I love this. Like a little therapist. <laughs> You're like playing therapist. Like, but I didn't know what I was playing. Right. right. It was almost like a precursor for now. Right. And um, so I, you know, again, my little, my, my group of friends sat with me while I filled out my master's application because I was terrified to do it because my daughter was two when I applied for to go to back to get my master's. So I was the, like the only 30 year old with a bunch of 22 year olds in Los Angeles. So they're beautiful. Um, <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> 
Oh, goodness. Also, um, I wrote about this in one of my blogs, but I think one, the first time I left my daughter alone with, with somebody that I take care of her so I could go to an audition for a Spanish uh, Tylenol commercial. Oh like, my goodness. I oh, yo uso Tylenol, right? <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I cried. Like I, there's an underpass to go underneath the Los Angeles airport when you're down by the, in the beach area to go north towards Hollywood, uh, where I had to go to the audition, like, you know, my whatever 155,000 audition. Um, and I just cried the whole way. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. The acting. Right. Not because now I'm a little bit healthier. Right. Um, and, um, and that's when I decided, I was like, you know what, I'm going to go get a master's in psychology. And then what happened was that I'm sitting in these classes and they're basically telling me how to parent. Right. Cause I'm learning all these theories and I'm learning all these things about how, you know, well, attachment theory and development and, oh, you know, a person becomes an addict because this happens in their childhood. And I'm all like, this is not cool. Like, why don't parents know this? Like, what are you doing? Like, again, like that little fighter in me, mm-hmm. right? That little survivor in me. Because I, I like a lot of us that have gone through scenarios with mental health, uh, there's a fighter in you. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, those that like kind of get through the darkness, you're a, you know, bad beep, you know, I don't know if we can mm-hmm. on this, but you, you can, are, oh, okay. you're a freaking badass because yeah. it takes so much to, to, to keep fighting, to keep getting up, to keep using the tools that like, that, you know, that we're taught. It takes, it's so much easier to just give in. It's so mm-hmm. much easier to just get drunk. It's so much easier to just like, you know, hate everyone and blame everybody else. It's so much harder to take a cold, hard look at yourself and try to change. So I like to say that you are a badass survivor and a fighter. And a lot of the time we look at somebody with issues with their brain health and we see them as victims. Right. I am not, I, I've yet to meet a person that's dealing with their brain health that isn't a survivor and a fighter. So the fighter in me came into the classroom and I was like, what the hell, people? What are we doing? Like, you know, and I think that was like the first seed for me saying, I don't want to be a therapist that's intervening. I want to be part of the prevention part as it pertains to mental health and brain health. Because a lot of the time we're dealing with addiction, but that's too late. A lot of the time we're dealing, you know, late. So again, back to think about what could have been prevented with me. Right. Right. You know, my, I have this crazy dream that we make it, you know, common practice that when all the mamas go in to do the Oh, I forget the, the drink for the, oh, yes. the, the glucose, test. The glucose test, right? right? That at that same time, somebody sits with them. They usually put like five of you together. Like in my test, I was sitting next to Jessica Alba. <laughs> Are you serious? Los Angeles. It's Los oh Angeles. my goodness. 
I gave birth in the same maternity ward as Tori Spelling. <laughs> Me and her were like, oh my goodness, that is so funny. Intensive care unit because we were both, I guess, there with like complications. Yeah. Uh, um, and uh, yes, yeah, so I was sitting next to Jessica Alba with my glucose test, and, and that happens in every office all over the United States, right? My, I, what I want is I want to make it common practice that at that time, in the time that you're waiting, somebody sits with you and tells you, "Hey, did you know that just like gestational diabetes is so very, very common for pregnant women, perinatal and post postpartum disorders are really common. It's one in seven. So let me tell you a little bit about it. And here's a little assessment. And let's talk about it. How easy was that? I know. That's- and it's like, and it's how long do you have to wait? I can't even remember. It's like two hours. I mean, it's like, yes, it's a really long time. It's a just- crazy amount of time. And it's, it's wasted time when somebody could be sitting there either having reading something or having somebody tell them something or watching a video or. Right. right. And, and, and again, if, if it were, if, if I would like, mandated and make this happen and you know go to dc and be like hey let's change this i would want it to be a person that has a, a yeah a, a face-to-face that, a face-to-face that can actually just say it's just like what we're testing you for right now it's super common right and sh- i mean and, and i'm like a huge believer too that every single ob practice should have a mental health professional in their practice anyways i mean pediatricians. How- what's that imagine if a pediatrician oh. had of me in their office like a parenting expert yeah so the pediatrician could like check and then oh you have a lot of questions today go see you know the parenting person in my mm-hmm. office that's right here mm-hmm. and she'll going to answer your three questions that you have about the potty and the right sleep. yeah yep. we should have mental health people brain health people at OBGYNs and a pediatrician's office because that's the other place where we miss it yeah. Yes. Baby health is parent health. Absolutely. The baby is only as healthy as the parent. That's right? right. So it's mm-hmm. back to how is the parent's brain health so that we can build this little brain that's like chuck full of wires trying to connect. Right. So, so, so that's how, that's how I end up having these seeds of like, I want to be the person that tells a parent this is how we can prevent and you know and that's how I end up creating stop parenting alone you know right. um it, it was just my 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 dream of of being able to do what was done for me which is to give parents information because I I I, I 100% know in my soul and in my heart that when you give somebody the, the right information. They make the best choices for themselves and for their children. Absolutely. Every single time, because I have yet to meet a parent and, and I work two years in physical and sexual abuse cases that their motivation isn't love. And sometimes it gets a little murky. Yeah. Right. Like, and, and, you know, so, so for me, it, to me, I, 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 I'm out there just speaking truth and speaking matter of fact, like, you know, a lot of mental health professionals wouldn't tell you that they had, you know, suicidal ideation. Cause that's the fancy terms for, for right. I wanted to die. Right. Right. But that's not me. 
like I, because I also recognize that the most powerful healing tool is me connecting with you human to human. Absolutely. Right. That relationship is so important between you and a brain health provider. I mean, it is. I hear so many stories of women who go to therapists or whatever that, I mean, essentially just create more trauma for them, being at the way they present things or, or just feeling their lack of empathy. I mean, it's hard to open up to somebody that's mm -hmm. not going to also open up mm -hmm. to an extent, right? I mean, it's so important for, for someone who has gone through it hearing it from someone else who has gone through it is what, you know, connects you to that person and to that professional. I mean, you, you have to, I mean, there's just, yeah, I, there's just no, there's no other way to do it. I mean, cause it's, it is such a intimate relationship, um, you know, with, with someone like that and to open up and, for sure. I love that. I love that you share that because I, I, I'm sure, you know, your clients appreciate that. I mean, that's, that's mm -hmm. all about speaking your truth, you know, exactly. Right. Truth, truth in the service of love. That's right. Love is, love is the number one healing tool for all of us. And it's, and, and, and again, like what for me, you know, we could do so much more um, if we could prevent you know, we, we could prevent so many things. Um, and, and to me, it, it comes with, with education because when, when facts take care of fear. Yeah. Oh, I love that too. Yeah. yeah. It's so true. And we're such a country of reacting to things instead of preventing things. Mm -hmm. Um, everything is about, you know, fixing it once it's happened. Right. Um, and you're right. There are so many ways for this yeah. stuff to be, you know, prevented, or at least if it's not prevented, it's something that's a little bit more manageable. Had I known all my risk factors and had been educated on everything and, and had known that this was going to happen, I could have been so much more prepared and maybe you would have gotten help, you know, earlier than waiting six months. And until I started planning my own suicide, um, you know, it doesn't have to get to, you know, it doesn't have to get to that point. If you just educate me a little bit exactly. um, about it. Exactly. And, and it, and again, it is just, it's about talking about the subject without the, you know, walking on eggshells, right? Like, right. oh, well, I don't want to make them feel uncomfortable. Oh, well. And again, for, for what, what was my saving grace was my friend willing to feel uncomfortable her, not me, because right. she had it, it, at the end of the day, it's about us, not the person that's, that's managing this difficult moment. Right. Like right. we don't ask because we are, we feel we're empathic people. Every human being on earth is empathic. Right. And those that aren't, they've turned it off because of, some sort of hurt right because okay. they, they they get flooded and overwhelmed by the emotion of the other but we're constantly picking up messages about how the other is feeling it's just Absolutely. it's brain science yeah right so 
why do most people not bring it up or do what my friend did for me? Because they can't tolerate their own emotional experience. So that's the other. So besides giving parents information of like child development, right? And, and in particular, social emotional development, which is the, 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 the development that we don't, that we talk about least, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the other piece is just kind of, you know, helping, helping the parent um, understand that a lot of the behavior of the child is just plain old normal right it's just like we're guiding them to become humans in the world right so for me it was a mixture of of letting parents know um this is normal you're not crazy back to that that whole concept Mm -hmm. you're not crazy you're not the only parent that your child looks at you and goes ew i didn't want this to eat (laughs) or like you're ruining my life you know You, you can hear that as early as five because that's a beautiful way to tell somebody that you're angry. Right. Right. Um, the, the other piece for me is just um, community. Right. Um, and, and, and being in that group experience of like, I like you have hurt. Yeah. We've lost that. <sighs> you're so amazing. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, I could talk to you forever. <laughs> We're going to have to do another episode. <laughs> I say that with all of my guests. We're just have to be a part two. Um, so I am going to put links to Stop Parenting Alone um, and some of the other things that you're involved with. And, and so people can click on that and learn more if they want to. Um, Lena, thank you so much um, for joining me today. I really, really appreciate you sharing your story. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.